welcome, welcome to the 360 Diaspora Experience Podcast, where we talk about family, faith, and finance. In this podcast, we help diaspora people to build legacy for their family by getting their mind right. So today, we're talking about real estate. Of course, everybody knows I'm into real estate in North America, but I'm talking about real estate in the most popular city in Africa. Lagos, right? Talking about real estate in Nigeria, one of the most populous country in the continent of Africa. Lagos is landlocked. So there's really not a lot of land in Lagos. So real estate is very hot over there. And Lagos is the nerve center, commerce nerve center of Nigeria. If you have to make it, you have to come to Lagos. That's just the same. So today I'm talking to a special guest that is on the ground in Lagos and everywhere in Nigeria doing real estate development. So Mr. Guest, introduce yourself. Thank you uh, for the invitation. My name is Gide Ogule and uh, I'm the chairman of Dinero Properties Limited. At Denaro Properties Limited, we do site and service schemes where we sell budget plots to uh, buyers who would like to develop their own properties. And I'm also a director, actually the managing director of Denaro Agile Construction Limited. At Denaro Agile Constructions, we do uh, construction, housing constructions within eyebrow areas of Lagos. So we cater to different segments of the Nigerian uh, property market. So when you are talking about properties in Lagos, you are talking to the right person because you're talking to someone who has played both hands of the Nigerian market, catering to outstanding needs of high net worth investors and also low income earners who just have basic savings uh, at the end of the month. So. Basically, that is what, and uh, on the academic line, I had uh, my master's recently, I graduated from University of Lagos. I had to go back to school to study housing management and development, and I had a distinction in that course. So it's, um, so I'm not just a practitioner in terms of the, uh, the business, I'm also balancing it with the academic angle so that we're able to provide robust solution for people when it comes to housing in Lagos and in Nigeria. All right. Thank you. All right. The narrow properties and the narrow uh, agile construction. Agile. Yeah. agile construction. So, you know, you, you know, as, as a Nigerian and even more as a person in diaspora, we always want to know who we're dealing with. Like, is this person correct person? You know, because I really want to get more information about you before we get to the meat of what we're talking about. So how long have you been doing this on the ground, doing real estate development and construction? How long have you been doing this? Okay, so we started the narrow properties, our first uh, site and service team in Ofada around 2010 or 2010, 2011. So cumulatively, we should be looking at about um, 11, 12 years now. Okay. So, uh, and uh, the Naraja construction is a is a recent uh, development about a year or two years about a year ago, and um, basically that's just uh, the summary of how long we've been in the market. 
And for me personally, I actually uh, started out as a, in, I started with consulting. So I had, while I was in school, I had uh, this ICANN professional exam I was writing. So by the time I was graduating, I was already a chartered accountant. So I started with consulting, but in, 2000, in uh, 2008, I had that vision that the consulting, basically what we're doing the consulting I was doing stock market, doing stock market reform for people, stock market trading. But I had that vision that the stock market was going to crash because the rise in those years was phenomenal. So I started researching about real estate and I started uh, moving, uh, preparing to move into real estate. And that was what warranted us starting Mayflower Guidance in Ophala in 2010. And uh, from there, it's been from one uh, scheme to another, and we've been growing in leaps and bounds. And looking back, it's something, is the decision that was well taken and we don't regret. We've had a downtime in the industry in Nigeria. We've paid our price. We've uh, made mistakes, you know, we've learned from them and we're getting better by the day. So anybody coming to us is coming to leverage on our years of experience in the industry. They're coming to leverage with individuals because the people behind the company are also very important. So you have to look at people who have integrity, who actually know their onions, who are not charlatans, who are not people that are just laundering funds, because you have a lot of that in Lagos right now. People just stumble on some funds and then they come into the real estate and they call themselves uh, practitioners. And those are the ones that create problems for investors at the end of the day. So you are talking about, you are looking at people who are seasoned in what they do when you come to Gennaro, the Gennaro brand and you patronize us, whether you are buying land or you are buying houses. Okay. Okay, yeah, you know, integrity matters, right? Integrity matters. And you are registered with Nigerian uh, Corporation, right? Kaki in Abuja. We, we, are, we have different levels of registration. First, we have a registration with CAC. That's the Corporate Affairs Commission. Mm -hmm. Then we, have, we are like a founding member of the Real Estate Developer Association of Nigeria. As a matter of fact, in 2014, I was elected the youngest national auditor of that association in Nigeria. So that's the umbrella body that regulate the housing sector developers in Nigeria. Okay. You know, apart from that, we also register with EFCC. Okay. So when you come to our office on the ground floor, you see what we call the XCUML certificate. So it's a certificate that every real estate company is supposed to have once you are taking in funds. You know, so we are duly registered with all the uh, uh, institutions that were supposed to be registered with. So these are some of the basic things that people can even check before they decide on who to patronize or not. Okay, okay. So I just want to put that groundwork out there that we're talking to somebody that is doing this business on the ground and legit, right? So listen, we said Lagos, but Lagos is landlocked. Where are the lands in Lagos? How do you build in Lagos? Where, I mean, they're not making any more land. So where are the lands in Lagos? Well, uh, there are still, you still have a lot of land in Lagos, you know, uh, when you look at Badagri, you look at Bejuleki, you look at Ikorodu, there are large uh, undeveloped portion, uh, parts of, uh, 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 there are undeveloped plots in various places, but the question is, do people want to go to those places to live, especially Nigerians in diaspora? Mm -hmm. So that's why at the narrow properties, what we do is uh, a little bit of gentrification and uh, uh, river, uh, revitalizing the old places, like where you had old settlements, 
you know, we buy existing properties, we build them, that we push, uh, pull them down, and we rebuild. And you see, recently the Lagos State Government had to admit that it's better Lagos starts building up. Mm. So because we don't have it, we can't spread. So you yeah. can the idea of doing bungalows and doing uh, even one-story building is fast fading away. So most development you see right now, you see people going two floors, you people see people going three floors. And even, especially in, on the Lagos Island, you see multi-story structures, you know? Mm. So basically, and then you have another way people are getting land for construction is through uh, ocean uh, sea reclamation. So people dredge the sea, and then you have a lot of projects in, in, uh, on Lagos Island. Banana Island is a case study where a large portion of the Atlantic Ocean was dredged and uh, filled, sand filled. Even the eco-Atlantic city was also dredged and sand filled. And is a development that people are buying now and uh, companies, even the United uh, States Embassy recently bought some acres of land there. They want to relocate the embassy to that estate now. So true reclamation, true mm. uh, uh, gentrification, uh, building in old places, buying houses, pulling them that building, and then through some other locations, people can still do real estate in Lagos. Okay, okay, just want to know because Lagos is landlord. So let's talk about real estate in Lagos and other parts of Nigeria. You know, one of the issue, I mean, not issue, one of the concern for us in North America is real estate. Are we going to have a real estate crash? The house prices are so high now and it's has progressively been going up for, going up for years. So there's always that fear, even as a realtor here, that are we going to have real estate crash like we did back in 2006? Is that a fear that is in Nigeria or Lagos market? Uh, that fear is not, uh, that fear is real for uh, the Western world, uh, especially United States. The same thing we are expressing in the US, Canadians are expressing the same thing because we also um, interact with uh, uh, other associate developers in other countries, you know, we also do one or two transactions in some of these places, so we know what is happening. You know, in a place like Toronto, you see properties that were being sold for about 400 within six months, going to 700 and what have you. So definitely, there's going to be a crash at some point, you know. And the major reason why the, uh, the Lagos market is immune to this kind of crash, especially when you are playing in the middle income segment of the market, you know, you are not uh, buying a property of one billion or it's not as if you're going to Banana Island to buy a duplex for 600 million naira or one billion naira or what have you. If you are still buying within the range of 150 million, uh, 200 million to 50 million to 30 million to 40 million, you know, you are assured that your investment is secured because in most cases, purchases are not tied to mortgage. Mm -hmm. So... So the positions are not tied to mortgage, they are tied to as savings. So what you see in Nigeria is that people have saved over 10, 15 years, and that's why they are buying a property. Mm -hmm. So the, the system is not over leveraged, like you have in the Western world where everything is just so about uh, taking uh, mortgages, taking housing loan. And then like what happened in uh, the 2008, 2009 financial crisis where mm -hmm. You had Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, and uh, the uh, mortgage just started packaging bad loans, you know, that people could not even sustain. And that's what actually precipitated the 
financial crisis at that time. So we don't have those systems yet. Nigeria is still an evolving and emerging market. Okay. And this thing really is one of the strengths that Nigeria has and people tend to under, uh, uh, don't see. People don't see those things. Nigeria is an emerging market that is evolving. Mm-hmm. Our secondary mortgage market is still in its in its still in uh, in its uh, 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 beginning infancy infancy thank you so you know and so we are still evolving some of these things so because the market is not tied to so much uh, uh, loan you know we are immune to any crash that is going to happen uh, in the nearest future okay 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 just want to get that out of the way because oh prices, property prices continue to actually increase, increase, increase. Increase, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned millions. When you're talking about millions, millions, people are like, woo, millions, but we're talking about millions of Naira, not dollars. Naira, yeah, not dollars, yeah. <laughs> nah, so maybe but, I'll try as much as possible to convert my, my millions to dollars. Dollar, but for people in North America, if you're listening to me, Home prices in Lagos is comparable to what we have in DC. Really, when it's talking about 150 million, talking about over $200,000, you know, so it's comparable. And we're talking about people having that in cash and paying that in cash. So Lagos is expensive, right? Lagos, you've been to Toronto, the US, and so many places, London. What are the costs comparable to Lagos? Is it comparable? Is it cheaper in Lagos? I mean, talk to me. Definitely, it's cheaper in Lagos, you know, even despite all the uh, recent devaluations and other uh, challenges that we've had. You know, you see discover that comparatively by the time you pick a similar property, for example, you come to Maryland, you're looking at a property that is uh, maybe $600,000. That should be about uh, $300 million in Nigeria. For you to be buying those kind of properties, you are moving to the the most prime and prime locations. So you're looking at probably buying a full uh, plot in Ogudojia Ray and you are building a duplex on it, or you are going to Ikoi to buy something. So comparatively, you can still say that Lagos is still much more affordable than uh, other uh, Western cities, especially in a country like UK, London, the housing market in London is on a, on its own level. Mm-hmm. The same thing with Toronto, you know. So it's on their own, their own level entirely, even compared to what is obtainable in the US. They are far, far ahead. You discover that, like a room, uh, a room apartment in London, for example, they will be asking you for one thousand five hundred pounds. So one thousand five hundred pounds compared to Nigerian era, that's just about uh, one point five million era. So one point five million era. Conveniently, you can take a three-bedroom apartment and pay for one year in Lagos. So basically, you can now compare and contrast and see what we're talking about there. You can't even compare them. Okay. So it's still cheaper over here. It's still cheaper, yeah, but you've got to make that yeah. money, though. <laughs> <laughs> you have to make the money, right? Okay, so let's talk about the challenges, you know. Woo! If you're from Nigeria, if you live in Lagos, you know all about Omonile. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. Don't worry about it. So what are the challenges people face when purchasing property in Lagos? Like you're in diaspora and you want to purchase. What are some of the challenges people face? Okay. So the most common challenge that people face 
is uh, they trust, you know, to see somebody they can trust and buy properties from. So trust is deficient in many transactions, you know, and uh, that's why I tell people you have to do a lot of due diligence before you can say you want to put your feet down here to say I'm buying a property. You know, you can't just follow uh, catchy adverts. You can't follow family recommendations. You can't follow spiritual leading. You have to lead yourself. Yes, people do. You'll be shocked. People take financial decisions based on so many metrics. And by the time you check some of these metrics, they are very funny. So somebody can just, like I have had somebody who I advise, don't buy this property because you can actually save within another two years and buy something that we can easily let out and lease out and people can live. And I know what you say, he told me, he said, ah, no, 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 I just want to tie something down, tie something down. And I'm asking, what are you, what is the essence of just tying something down? And that property that was bought because it was in a very, very uh, poor location, you know, it was sold at a loss. And he had to, you know, and, you know, so but at least he learned from that experience. So people take decisions for so many reasons. So people don't do their due diligence. Then they don't meet the right people. And then uh, because the mortgage system is like almost non-existent, people can't get, uh, they, uh, they can't get uh, mortgage commitment to buy, they can't get mortgage support mm-hmm. from financial institutions to say they want to do down payment and then they are spreading the balance over some time. So for on the developer side, I can say the, the challenges are more than on the buying side. So the major ones are what I've mentioned on the buying side, because really when you have your money, you know what to buy, you can come down and buy. You know, even online, if you have somebody who's trustworthy online, you can buy. So, so but on the, the developer side, on the supply side, the the challenges are humongous. Okay. Okay. So, you know, the old way, you just say you can go online before the internet comes. The old way is if you're in diaspora, you get a land, you get a family or family to help you get a land and you start sending money to them to start helping you build a house there. Is that still advisable to do? It's absolutely not advisable. You know, even for Nigerians living in Nigeria, most people don't even buy land to say they are building again or they are sending money to some people to help them build. It's actually not even advisable. For most developers, they don't even, most developers don't even build their own house. They just see something they like and they buy. So it's something I'm not going to advise people to do. It used to be the old thing, but you just need to save yourself uh, stress because you trust people and people can actually uh, give you a lot of uh, assurance that, oh, your investment is secured, nothing is going to happen with it, you'll be sitting. But the stories we've been hearing, even some of the stories we hear over here, you know, it alarms us because it's like some people were just born as twins with the devil because you see people sending pictures of houses that belong to other people to their families abroad to say, hey, this is your house now. And by the time those ones come to Nigeria in Benin, there was a recent case in Benin where the guy was monitoring his, uh, his uh, phony house in Nigeria for almost three years. And they were sending him a picture of a different building that belongs to another person, following it stage by stage. So you can imagine, and they were collecting this money. So you can imagine, how do people have such art to do such? So I just advise people, 
if you are not ready, if you can't buy a property, even if it's just one bedroom apartment or two bedroom apartment, wait till you can save enough to buy. So don't say, okay, I'm buying land. If you are buying land to speculate, yes, I understand. People actually buy land to speculate. People actually buy land and say they want to build themselves. So you can take time, come to Nigeria to supervise your building for six months and say, okay, I'm building. But for you to send money home to people, it's very, very risky. So it's not even about not even completing the house. What about the quality of the materials they're going to use for you? Mm. You know, so at least, and then, you know, so it's just, it's just advisable for people to just buy, you know, because even for structural, uh, you may say, okay, what if uh, people buy ready-made properties? I didn't show the materials that be used. In engineering, there are different tests that can be conducted to determine the integrity of a building. You know, so like, for example, a building that you see, people can conduct a structural integrity tests to check the stability of the foundation, to check the stability of the slab, to check the stability of the columns. So it, these are things that are scientific, that can be scientifically solved. So that's why it's advisable. If we're uh, looking at this, just look at buying instead of giving money uh, to people to, to build. Okay. It's, it's stressful. It's not as if it's not doing it, but it's stressful. Very stressful. Okay, you know, you just mentioned something now, like the risk, you know, people think about the risk from buying a house that is already built, but yeah. you know what uh, materials they use, how, uh, what is the integrity of that house? Do they have the papers from the county, I mean, from the city, like legal from legal yeah. city to make sure the plan is approved? I mean, can you, can somebody make sure those things are in place before they commit their money? Yes. So people, you don't need to be, people don't need to be, you know, the challenge we have, because I deal with buyers every day, I sell to people and I see, so I can actually uh, give you my own uh, uh, insight into how people buy and what people pay attention to. So in, in terms of uh, land documentation, uh, most people are well aware that, okay, you need to get a lawyer who is going to do search on the property to see if the property is not having encumbrances and what have you. But in terms of the structure itself, most people actually don't bother. Mm -hmm. So what is obtainable, the right thing under the law is that a developer is supposed to get building approval for every construction that is done. So this building approval, if you check it from there, you can begin, and every buyer is entitled to, to that uh, drawing. Every buyer should be able to assess that drawing. Uh -huh. So because the government, yes, the government released about three copies to the developer. So the developer per time has almost three copies and he can even make photocopies for buyers. Mm -hmm. So developers who know their audience, who knows what they are doing, are not afraid to release their building approval to clients who are asking questions about them. There are real questions that people are going, that uh, clients are going to ask, but developers who know their onions will release such. So for example, in most cases, people will go to the government to say they want to do a one story and they will end up doing two story. So if you take the building approval of the property you are buying and you check it and you see that it was approved for one story, so you should smell foul play that something has actually gone wrong. So that's one clear example that you can use to see. And then you look at the structure itself, the drain look alike, you know, what has been changed? So what are the provisions that has been made when it was changed, you know? So there are ways you can go about it and uh, check this document. Even apart from architectural 
uh, approval, you have the structural drawing that the government stands and approves. Okay. For, for any structure that is going above two floors, you are supposed to have mechanical and electrical drawing that is also approved by the state government. So you have the electric, they call it M and E. So the M and E drawing, you know, is also already, is also usually approved. So people can take time to collect all this. Because if they can study themselves, they can get professionals who can check it out for them, study it and see, and have a comparative analysis that, okay, this is what the government has approved as a design. What am I seeing on ground? Okay. You know, and uh, yeah. That's good to know. That's good to know that you're not just buying blindly. So, but no, no, yeah. The other question is I mean, can you go to the Lagos State Building? I mean, we're talking about Lagos. Can you get to the Lagos State Building office to say, I want to check this building? Is it something that anybody can do? You can just walk in there. I have a copy of a building that I want to buy, but I also want to check with the government to make sure they are. Yes, you can actually go to some authorities to check the uh genuineness of the property you want to buy one of them is the bureau of land in lagos bureau so of bureau of land is the registry for all uh land transaction in lagos state okay especially those properties that are in the former sector okay. you have two markets in lagos in nigeria as a whole you have the former market and the informal market the former markets are for lands that have titles registered titles but you now have a wide market that is an informal market. So those are lands that don't have registered title. It's not as if they don't have registered title, but they don't have uh, a strong title. Because even as small as a receipt to land is, it's a title. Even as small as a survey is, it's a title. But what I'm talking about strong titles that are recognized by the government, you're talking about governor's consent, you're talking about a CFO, you're talking about deed of conveyance. You're talking about a gazette and some of them like that. So you can actually take, uh, a surveyor can do a survey of that land, take the coordinate to the Bureau of Land to check if the title is genuine. And then, and if the title doesn't, because the title may be genuine, but it will have encumbrance. For example, they've used the land to take loan in mm. 1978 and the bank has not released that land. So uh -huh. you may see the CFO, but it's encumbered. And the encumbrance may not, until you check at the Bureau of Land, it may not be disclosed to you by the seller. So on the other hand, you also need to conduct another search at the Soviet General's office. So it's a Soviet that will also do this. Okay. So at the Soviet General's office, you can check if the land is under government commitment or acquisition. So at the Soviet General's office, because... The what's operate the law that operates in Nigeria is called the Land Use Act of 1978. So, which states that all interest in land is vested in the governor of a state to hold in trust for the public. So, after 1978, there were lots of revocation of titles and acquisition of land. So, you can even see a built-up place like Ilupeju, like uh, Ikeja, like Jerry, or what have you, the land has been revoked by the government. And what it means is that people need to uh, check whether that land, because the land can be revoked and then it's committed. So what it means is that government already has a plan to use that land in another 10 years. 
So if they come in 10 years' time, any property they see on it is going to be demolished. So if the land is not committed, the other harm is just normal acquisition that can be regularized. So under that, you can you now apply to the government for a proper document. So these are some of the steps that people can easily do. And in terms of structural elements also, uh, in addition to what I've earlier stated, you also have the Lagos Material Testing Laboratory. You know, every developer is supposed to submit sample of its uh, concrete, sample of its water, sample of the uh, rebars, the iron, the reinforcement that are used on site. You know, so those major uh, structural elements are supposed to be submitted and tested in that laboratory. Mm. And developers are supposed to pay for that. So anybody buying a building should at least ask for these basic things, please. Where are your testing reports? You know, you know, so at least you have some assurance as to what you are buying. All right, all right. Woo, you are downloading a lot of information here that a lot of people don't yeah, know. So, so, I'm, so I'm supposed to be collecting dollars here. Oh, okay. Some thousands, some thousands of dollars for this. Uh... Okay, I don't even know what he's talking about. Let's go on a break <laughs> and finish this off. <laughs> Greetings. This is Dr. Essie McCoy, your podcast host of Dr. Essie Speaks Education. I am elated to bring you a weekly show where I discuss everything about education. That's right. What you want to know, what you don't know, and what you need to know will be aired each Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Get ready, mark your calendar, and tune in to this show as we keep the pulse on education from an award-winning educator. Remember, once again, to tune in every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. with a new podcast, Resist Diaspora Experience, where we discuss family, faith, and finance. We drop this podcast every other Thursday at noon. So who is this podcast for? This is specifically towards people in diaspora, their children, and their grandchildren. want to discuss how they navigate the financial world in the U.S., how they are teaching or will teach their children and grandchildren, and how some of their decisions affected, is going to affect, will affect their children, who are first or second generation Americans. And we want to learn to do financially better on purpose, right? We want to share, unload, and most importantly, to educate. So listen every other Thursday at noon. Hope to see you there. city in African continent and how you can safely buy property. Listen, this is going to be a two-part series. So we're just downloading from 
the narrow GM right now. So one thing I want to talk about is people in diaspora, when we're talking about buying or relocating or moving back or you know wanting to come back to Lagos or to Nigeria, the foremost thing on people's mind is security, access to good roads, you know, amenities and communities. I mean, are these things available right now? You know, it used to be just, like I said earlier, you get a land and you just build, but we're looking at communities that have all these things. Are these things available now in Nigeria? Yes, you know, everything, you know, Nigeria is just a very funny country, you know, such that at any level that you want to operate and live, you can actually live in Nigeria. If you want to live the Florida life, Miami life in Nigeria, you can actually, there are locations in Nigeria where you can live that life. So if you want to live the Bahamas life, there are sea views, uh, mansions, there are, you know, resorts where you can actually buy properties and live that life in Nigeria. So it's just a very, very interesting country. So in terms of amenities, there are locations that people can actually target for residents. For example, government GREs, you know, the Lagos state government, what they do in most cases is when they acquire parcels of land for uh, residential schemes, they provide amenities even before people start constructing, uh, 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 start construction. You know, so for example, you have the MQ Gardens in Alausa. Before the buildings were erected, the state government at that time had done the tar the roads, had done drainage, and what have you. So apart from that, you have private developers also who have uh, have done estate. For example, the Narrow Properties recently launched uh, the Granville Court in Ilokoju, which is a serviced apartment for people for expatriates and Nigerians who also reside in that estate. So in that estate, we provided roads, we provided uh, treated water, treat, uh, treated water, we provided um, a generator, so as to act as backup for electricity in case there is outage. So and we provide we provided a private transformer for the residents so that they are not having any issue with uh, low voltage or what have you. So people actually have those choices. So it depends on the financial capacity and what people can actually afford. So okay. those options are there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. That's good to know. So now you talk about estates. They are very common in Nigeria right now. You have, you just mentioned one, MKO Garden Estate. You have Magodo Estate. I mean, what is the difference between buying a house in an estate and just buying a house in Maryland, you know, Palm Grove area and just build. What is the difference? Okay, so the difference from uh, why people are now so interested in estate is because of the control that estates do have in compare in comparison to just ordinary streets and uh, avenues. So you discover that most estates have what we call residence association and they have elected officers, they have structures, you know, and they have security apparatus, a very strong security apparatus put in place to secure the estate. And everybody is levied uh, annually to pay an annual deal. So with this, you discover that people live at peace, people are much more comfortable. Uh, in comparison to people who just live in 
uh, common neighbors, common streets, you know, where everybody is a lord unto themselves. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in some estates, there are regulations, strict regulations. For example, you can't erect, like, say, a shop or a kiosk outside your house. But in the common neighborhood, you can see people erecting shops, house, uh, kiosk, mm -hmm. you know, and or you go to a place like Ogba, maybe just a street. Somebody can just wake up tomorrow and say, oh, I'm starting a church here or I'm building a mosque here. And so it starts disturbing people. We put the speaker outside and start disturbing people on the street. So in regulated estates, you don't see all these uh, social disturbance, uh, disturbances, you know, and they also get, uh, most estates also get government attention, especially the residential schemes that the state government themselves created. What I've observed is that even when all the rules are not fully tied, every regime that comes in tries to advance the development of those estates. For example, Magudo Sherry, within the past uh, 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 five years, I've seen consistent uh, work on roads, you know, which some other locations might not have been able to enjoy or benefit from. The argument from the side of the government is that is the people who live in those estates that pay tax to them, okay. you know, in comparison to people who live in other neighbors. And so they have to enjoy the benefits of uh, paying those uh, taxes. All right. So basically, that's just the way it is, yeah. Woo. All right. This is a lot, right? This is part one year of my talk with a developer in Lagos. And so we're going to continue that talk next week and the next episode of... 360 Diaspora Experience, Dinero Property Chairman, Jide Ogunleye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you for taking your time out to listen to this episode of the Diaspora 360 Diaspora Experience podcast. It's as, it is our prayer and commitment that to support you as you build legacy for your family. If you'd like to contact me, KG, please email me at kg at metrohomesrealty.com and don't forget to check out my website, metrohomesrealty.com. It has been a pleasure. Until next time, have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.